Welcome back to the Unbench Podcast. This week, I sat down with Alana Mraz, the founder of Latinx in Sport. And honestly, she's just an overall powerhouse. We dive into her experience being the only woman in her master's program, her time spent with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and her why behind being in sports. This is such a fun one to record, and I'm super excited to have you all hang out with us. Enjoy. Why get into a field that is so male-dominated? Um... I think I got into sports. Well, I know, I know I got into sports. I got into sports because I was like the oldest grandchild. I am the oldest grandchild. So like I was like the firstborn to my grandparents and my, and I was raised also by my grandparents for a good like chunk of the beginning part of my childhood. And my grandpa loved soccer. So like I would wake up on Saturday mornings with him and like watch the Mexico national team or like whatever like league was playing and like, I mean, it wasn't that we were attached to a certain team, but it was like just sitting there and just watching them play. And I really enjoyed it. It was like quality time, but also it was like funny to like scream at the TV and like scream at the players so they can hear you like everybody else does. <laughs> and when the D-backs started here um, in 2000, uh, I was like four years old. And again, my grandpa just like latched into the D-backs. So then I did too. And I've been a diehard D-backs fan like ever since. And when I was looking to get into, I guess, a career, um, my mom was like, hey, she's like, you like sports. She's like, you like to play sports. You like to, you know, watch them. Maybe you should look into that. So I started looking into sport, sports journalism. And my senior year, I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't like writing. I was like, that's just not <laughs> like something I'm going to thrive in. Like, no, like essays are not for me. Absolutely not. Um which granted, I wish we would have known that journalism went into social media because I don't think we had put it really together until a couple of years later, but that's fine. Um, so I like looked into like a sports business degree and I was like, okay, I was like, you know, if the sports thing doesn't work out, like I have a business degree, that's cool. Like I can use it or whatever. Um, and I think it was really until I started working and like interning other like in the sports industry like we were you know told to do that I really started seeing like how male dominated it was and I was kind of like well I really like sports and I think I'm good at what I do and I think I'm a little too deep now so I'm committed to the cause <laughs> um yeah so I guess it would be like partly being a fan and having it attached like a lot of positive memories that I have around my family but then also I was like well I really like what I do so like we're just gonna figure it out I've always been one to like I feel like not give up on things. Like even if I suck at sports, like I still played sports in high school, even though I was the worst and I was on the bench all the time. But hey, like I can say I did it. So it's okay. Um, so yeah, I guess just like being like committed to it, I was like, yeah, I was like, there's no going back now. So I love that Bye. attitude. It's like, well, I'm here. So we're doing this now. Um, I feel mm-hmm. that a lot in like projects I'll start and I'll be like, I started on my over quarantine, the amount of things I started, I'm like, oh, this is fun. And it's now six months later and I'm like, oh, we're we're still doing this. Amazing. Like what sports did you play as a kid? So I'm pretty sure my mom put me in ballet class when I was little and I'm pretty sure I didn't like it <laughs> because I would never get like the star at the end of class that everybody else would. And it was really sad for me. I distinctly remember like asking my mom why I didn't get a star. Um, and like there's tap shoes and like some tights somewhere. And I'm like, I don't even know when that phase happened. Um, but I was in grade school and like in my grade school, you could start playing sports and seventh grade or sixth grade I think and I started with 
like softball and I started with softball because I was like baseball, softball, same thing. And that's how my mom convinced me. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I was also afraid of the ball, like the whole concept of like a, like a mitt in front of your eyes trying to catch the ball. It was not there for me. Um, and then once I got to eighth grade, I like tried soccer because I was like, okay, soccer, like I like soccer. So we tried that. That was fun. I tried basketball. It was not for me. Um, and then I did softball again. I got hit in the cheek with a softball. That was a fabulous time for me. Um, and then we got to high school. Yeah, it was a great time. And then in high school, I did volleyball my freshman and junior year because I got cut my sophomore year. We're really just out going down memory lane here. Basically in high school, I tried every single sport that was available to a girl except for golf and softball because I really liked track and field. And that was like the season, like that was the only sport I did all four years. And the only okay. sport I think I was at because it required just for me to run. Um, there was no like equipment involved in that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I tried a lot of sports and I really like playing sports, but I always joke like, I never had the athletic ability. Like mm -hmm. I still run, but like also like I don't need a ball to go running. I just like put on some shoes and like I'm out the door. Um, so yeah, like I'm not one of those people that can like pick up basketball. Like that's so not the life for me. <laughs> um, so yes, I like watching them when I like playing them, but yeah, not athletic at that, all. That's fair. Did you ever think <laughs> it was weird that you had to play softball instead of baseball or like as a kid where you like, oh, it's just the same thing? I mean, I pretty much thought it was the same thing. I, I think it was explained to me like, oh, it's the same thing, except you just play with a different ball. And I was like, okay, which I mean, oh, and we pitch differently, right? But like everything yeah. else was the same. Like there's still three strikes or first base, second base, third base. Like the concept was still the same. The positions were still called the same thing. Um, so I didn't think it was weird. Looking back on it, I probably should have thought it was weird, but I didn't. I was like, oh yeah, yeah like, you know. But I feel like everyone as a kid like doesn't kind of clue in to the fact that like, oh, yeah. this is kind of strange. But then it's as you get older, you're like, wow, I really thought that was normal. Yeah, because like, I mean, soccer and basketball, like we play with the same ball, yeah. you know, like a volleyball, yeah. you play with the same ball. I th it's weird that it's only softball and baseball. And I really wonder why sometimes I like I don't like I think it's the size of our hands. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, why does that? I don't know. It's odd. <laughs> I should really look into why that is um yeah so like for for so many sports that are like the same I'm really su like surprised that there's still a couple that are like different still mm -hmm. to this day yeah yeah I don't think I mean I'm I'll admit it I'm not a baseball fan I've decided I'm a Miami Marlins fan because of Kim Ng but other than yeah. that you couldn't pay me to sit through a baseball game I'm not gonna lie to you um so it's never something I really considered but wow okay cool someone want to do the research for that and let us know in like the comments below this episode that would be Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so you had mentioned it once you kind of started getting into internships and stuff like that, but when did you really start to like critically pick up and critically think about the gender gap in the sports industry? So I was really fortunate that when I had internships and like part-time jobs, like, yeah, I was in the minority, but even then I wasn't the only girl. And like my family had previously expressed like, Hey, like, you sure you want to go into sports? Hey, like we don't really, and it was usually my grandparents, um, more of the traditional people that are like, what are you doing? Um, and they were like, well, you know, like it's very male dominated. You have to be around males all the time. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm around them in school. I'm like, what is the difference here? I like, it, I, I hadn't exactly wrapped my head around it. Um, mm -hmm. I guess you could say I was like kind of in a bubble almost in a way. Like I was like, oh, everyone's great in the world. <laughs> um, so it was at that point, I think 
in college when my grandparents were like, well, you know, like maybe that's not it. And I'm like, well, it's it for me. So like we're committed to the cause. Um, but really to the point where I was exposed to it was when I was in grad school in Barcelona oh, last year, 2019, 2020, um, I was the only girl in my master's program and it was me and 25 other guys and it was interesting um and it was really then there that I saw like oh I'm like women really we are still the minority and like I said I was really lucky when I was here in Arizona to like you know when I was with the D-backs when I was with Phoenix Rising when I was with the sports commission like every place that I was like I wasn't the only woman and that was great and, you know, I got to meet different women that were in leadership positions that were full-timers and I loved seeing them and like what they were doing, but it was never really like I was experiencing it until I got to Spain. And I was like, wow, I was like, I can't, it was also interesting to see like at 23, 24 years old, like we were still doing this, I guess. Like, I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if that makes sense, but like you would think that as we got older, there was more of us, I guess. Like in, yeah. in like grad school and stuff like that, because we were all pursuing like the same thing. So I was really surprised that there wasn't more women in my master's program. Because I feel like when you're working, like maybe someone can't drive to downtown every single day to work for the D-backs. Maybe like they don't like baseball and they're like are actually interning at an agency instead. Like, you know, you kind of think like, yeah. oh, maybe they're just not in my particular position mm-hmm. in my department, but they're out there. But then to see it like in grad school and it's like, okay, like there's there's 26 of us here and there's one girl. Yeah. Um, so it was really like that's the time wild. that I really experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane to think about though. Because I think instinctively you would want to think that as you get older, there's going to be more of you. But I also think the fact that there was only one of you is kind of a testament to the culture that that whole kind of arena of life has about itself where it's, it's yeah. actively trying to push women to the sideline thankfully recently we've seen that kind of like not reverse but just be a little bit less aggressive so hopefully the future of your master's programs won't be like that um there will be people we'll say who... the, this year's program also only has one girl oh so. okay well okay um next year 2022 let's go baby we love babies okay i know we say baby steps all the time on this podcast but like can we take like a little bit of a bit like a toddler step in this arena that would be greatly appreciated um so what did you do with the d-backs yeah so i was a game operations assistant which was an absolute dream because i had gone to games as a child like i had done the hot dog race i loved my you know i'm sorry the hot dog race yeah we like come again and like they like race and it's it's a lot of fun um america's wild wow yeah oh yeah this is yeah you're you're explaining this to me as if i'm like foreheads you're like what do you mean this is weird okay yeah yeah yeah. hot dog Uh, races hot dog races look them up they're really interesting (laughs) um so yeah so like i had had such a great time as a fan myself at games so then being able to work even in part-time capacity and being um a component to have now other kids and other fans have a great time at these sporting events. Like that was really, I guess, like sappy for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was a feel good moment just to be able to be there and like to help them out and just be at the stadium. Like every single day we have 82 home games and like, I want to say 75, 65 of them. I was there. Wow. Um, like I could never get enough of it. I loved it so much. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I did. I think it really opened my eyes to like the side of like game presentation because I kind of knew that I liked events. I liked, you know, helping, at different festivals or like street team like things but really seeing how a baseball game was put together and like the sponsorship components that go into it and like the videos 
and the players walking out and like the performances that we have and all that different stuff. It was definitely really cool to see that side of it. And I think a lot of times, you know, like events, like it's very structured, like you need tables and chairs and microphones and, you know, food and things like that. But like a sporting event is like its own complete like category. So it was really awesome yeah. to like see that and see the similarities, but also like the differences between them. Okay. That's so cool. Did you do the same thing with the rising or was that like a different no, so Fear. the rising, I was the I was a community relations intern. So okay. like in Arizona, a lot of our population is bilingual. So like I'm bilingual. So it was really cool to like see like how soccer was growing in like Arizona, even as a USL team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a community relations intern. That was my first ever internship. And even though I was community relations during game day, I was like anything that they needed. So that yeah. is how I learned that I really liked game presentation and the operation side because as a community relations intern, like I still helped with like the walkout kids or with like in-game components and halftime components and things like that. So I helped plan it. And then I kind of realized that there was this whole subcategory within a sports team and like a league that literally was just dedicated to events and operations. So it's kind of where I saw that I wanted my career to go. Okay. So would you say now, like that would be kind of like your dream would be like events and game promo side? Yeah. That is the plan. I'll go to a World Series if you're the one coordinating the events because be then great. I think it'd be Honestly, fun. that'd be like a dream. That would be an absolute dream. Let's make it happen. Uh, <laughs> so was there a defining moment of your education or of your career so far that has kind of fueled your love of what you do, not only in your career, but with your initiative on the side with Latinx in sport? I think I've always been outspoken about being a woman in sports um, mm-hmm. and I've always uh, outspoken about being a Latina in general, just like being proud of like where I come from, part of my culture. Like if I can speak Spanish, I will more often than not. Like I've just always been proud of it and like where I've come from, where my family's from. And I think for me, I'm a huge believer. If you, if you can see her, you can be her. Or if you see them, you can be them. So I guess more recently, my defining moment was during Hispanic Heritage Month last year, I kind of saw that no one in like sports, sports leagues, teams, organizations, anything like that was really talking about their Latinx um, front office staff. And it was kind of like, hey, like, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Goodbye. Like, you know, like, hey, like, you know, during Hispanic Heritage Month, like we're doing this. Bye. And like, I know teams like, you know, used to do Hispanic Heritage Nights and like social media posts and like things like that. Like I've, I've seen it. Yeah. But it was like, okay, like, that's great that we're talking about it. But what about the people that work in your organization that are Hispanic? Like, why don't you talk about that? Like, we are always proud to recognize different people in the organization for like, doing something for the first time or for breaking records or things like that. Um, so like, why don't we talk about, hey, like, this is our five front office staff members. And like, this is like their story and what they do. You know, like, it doesn't have to be anything in depth, but I didn't really see that happening. So I took it into my own hands. And I uh, committed one day every single month during Hispanic Heritage Month to highlight a different Latinx professional, sports professional um, in the industry. And it was really hard to find them. And I also, well, I, I guess that is another part of like my defining moment was how hard it was to find Latinx sports professionals. I was like, I know you're out there. Like, I'm, I'm not even a sports professional yet. Like, I know there's other people out there that are like me that have like started before me and that have mm-hmm. made a name for themselves. So I got really lucky that by finding two or three, then they referred me to like five more. And from those five, I got like met 10 more. Um, so it was really awesome just to see how 
tight knit the community was just because they knew each other from work but there was just never an organization that like shed a light I guess on it or was really yeah. like, trying to facilitate those com- those conversations and connections so that's why I started my little br- community brand whatever you know you want to call it um Latinx and Sports because I love where I'm from and I think a lot of people that are Latinx and even people just all around the world like I think we're all part of our cultural background like no matter where we live no matter where we are from like everyone's proud to be like oh yeah like you know my family's from here and when you fill out like a form you're like oh yeah I'm Hispanic oh yeah I'm you know a different cultural background like race like you know like you're proud to fill that out and to say that you are so I just really wanted to kind of continue that conversation and to help people be proud of where they're from and you know have all these different people that have similarities um whether it's culture or language or like what they're interested in and like our Latinx like why not put them all in a room, a Zoom room, um, and have them meet and, you know, connect and network and, and help each other out in the sports industry. So I guess my defining moment would probably be that I saw that no one was really doing it. And I was like, well, why aren't we doing it? Like, it's cool. Like, it doesn't cost a lot just to, like, write about this front office person or these five front office people that are in the sports industry at Latinx. Um, but I think it kind of was all – I think my whole entire life was kind of leading up to it because I've always yeah. been outspoken about being Latina and being a woman – in the sports industry so it kind of just like made sense to just take it up a notch and yeah <laughs> create a whole brand and account around it yeah so would you say it's mainly like a twitter account is it a website like for the people that have never heard of this like what yeah, yeah, yeah. where can they so, find you it's latinx in sports um on twitter and linkedin that's currently what we're on the website is like a 2021 goal because okay. I think it's really cool to like share people's stories past just like 140 characters. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of one of the goals. Like for example, the Mexico um, national softball team—they're going to the Olympics for the first time ever, like wow. this upcoming Olympics, whenever they happen. Yeah. Uh, and they'll be like that'll be the first time Mexico's ever represented in softball. Um. So you know, like, how cool would it be to interview three players? Hey, how did you get to where you are? And like, what does this mean to you? And like, you know, cool. Maybe the scroll that's into baseball is like oh hey baseball softball same thing you know like kind of scenario so really wanting to share those stories past just 140 characters and past the retweets because I think retweets and you know tweeting it's great and helps you share your story and get your facts out there but you know what about someone that really wants to take a deep dive into someone's story and their journey that would be the ultimate goal so right now we're on LinkedIn and Twitter as Latinx and sports currently working on a website but yeah, I mean, it's like, that's like kind of like the, the platforms that we live on. Honestly, I think if I added Instagram, I don't know what I would do. Um, <laughs> so we're just keeping it at two right now. But also Fair since enough. it's like for networking and things like that, I also feel like it just fits into yeah, Twitter. Yeah, those, those platforms definitely yeah. make sense. Yeah, like maybe once we like see people in person, I'd like go to Instagram and like post yeah. pictures of like events, but like yeah. we're not there yet. Just COVID, a bunch of Zoom so. screenshots is the entire exactly. Instagram account. Yeah. yeah, that would be a little mm-hmm. sad. Um yeah, but they will definitely be linked in the description of this episode. So be sure to check that out when you're done listening to us um, hang out. Um, so what would you say the original, when you first decided to make these their own accounts, what was the original goal? Was it really just to kind of spread awareness? Were you from the beginning hoping to scale it and take it somewhere bigger? What were you thinking? Um, I really just, well, A, I knew I couldn't run it out of my personal account because my personal account was just like, like I, I my friends joke all the time how I'm the face of it which like I am proud to be but also like I can't have people DMing me like I put t- we put together panels and networking calls and that's yeah but I can't do that for my personal page because like that's just like not 
Yeah. Like we it's, are it's separate a different brand. entities. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's part of my personal brand, but it's also yeah. its own like living, breathing brand and like community. And like, we get people that send us DMs about job postings that they saw or, Hey, like, how do I get involved? Or, Hey, like, do you guys know somebody that's involved in this department or this team? Like, I'd love to learn more about it, you know, like things like that. And I guess I couldn't really take on those inquiries on my own personal account, yeah, especially sure. knowing that at some point we would grow larger and like somebody else would have the login and somebody else could help me, you know, yeah. answer the DM and tweet things and things like that. So my original plan for the account was really just to use it as a way to tweet out information about events that we were putting on, because I knew that I wanted to have like a couple networking calls and kind of talk to the sports industry professionals that were already in the industry and ask them like what they thought the industry needed and then kind mm-hmm. of go from there. Yeah. So I needed an account to be like, Hey, we're meeting at this time, you know, on this day, let us know if you want to join, we'll send you the zoom link. And that's, you know, that's, I'd say like 25% of the tweets that are on there right now is like, Hey, we're having network uh, our monthly networking call. Want to join? Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to use it as a way for people to follow and stay updated with the Latinx and sports community, whether that's retweeting somebody's work, that's Latinx in the sports industry, or if that's like, hey, we're having a networking call. Hey, we're putting together this panel. Hey, call to action. We're looking for, you know, a person that's in this, uh, like this department of like, or whatever team for this panel, you know, like a way to yeah. kind of have an evidence and like a conversation without it being like on my personal page, because sure. I love connecting with people on there, but like, it was just like, a separate like it had to kind of yeah. live on its own yeah especially like if we were to turn to like a website or like you know like yeah, that would be a lot like, on one Twitter yeah like branding Twitter. too like yeah let's say we want to collaborate with somebody like you're not gonna put my name on it you know like it needs it needed to be its own thing I guess for in sure a way. um so it was just like my little like my little thing over here my little baby I guess <laughs> your little brain here. baby yeah <laughs> it's a great brain baby um so in a dream world um where COVID isn't a thing because that'll happen one day um where do you see this going um I really want to do like an in-person like summit kind of thing I think it'd be really cool a lot of our more um I guess our, a lot of our older sports industry professionals are like volunteering each other to facilitate like literally a a whole summit like we have someone on our board that is the director of operations I believe at SoFi so like wow. he's really good friends with this other gentleman that's a part of our community and he's like oh yeah he's like well you know like when COVID isn't a thing anymore like we'll just go over to SoFi and have a whole event and I'm like that's great but also like sure yes for sure but at that point like we need to be a little bit larger uh, <laughs> but yeah I mean I would definitely want to uh have like some in-person thing a lot of people have talked about having like kind of chapters kind of like what wise has okay um since i cannot be traveling everywhere to like start things you know so like you know we've thought about also like having like a regional thing where like hey you know if there's 20 of you in like the state like we'll like elect like one chapter something like a president or something and like they'll plan events for you guys to go to within like your community or like you guys can go talk to sports business clubs within your colleges that are over there and things like that so definitely wanting to scale it larger it's just a question of how do we get to larger because we are slowly growing and obviously it's like all organic and it's by word of mouth so we're really trying to figure out how to like scale it larger so that more people are able to find out about it for sure so what would you say that you hope to accomplish with the brand overall like what's the the goal it's <sighs> a great question um I really just want for Latinx professionals to meet each other. Like I want some 19 year old Latina, Latino, Latinx 
sports industry professional that you know wants to work in sports to like see this community and be like oh hey they have like a community database of people that are willing to network with you maybe there's someone that works in the MLB or you know a specific team in the MLB and if you reach out and like they reach out back to you and like maybe they can give you some advice maybe they can help you apply for an internship like that's all I really want um my mom always jokes about how I'm a people connector and I think it holds true um that that is what I am like all my best friends are now best friends because I was best friends with all of them first and then I kind of just like brought them together um so I think even in my personal life that is what I am and just seeing how I can use it in my professional life and you know I I don't want to say make it easier but at least make it resourceful for like somebody else to find because like for me I don't think I ever saw a Latina woman in the sports industry that looked like me yeah. until, you know, I think I really went out and looked for it, which it's great that I found them once I was looking for it, but like, why, why does, do, why do you have to look for it? Like, I guess, like, why aren't they already getting this exposure and this platform to talk about their stories or to help Latinx professionals connect with each other? Yeah. Um, so just really be my goal. Like, I just, I've had so many people tell me how, um, how much they enjoyed our networking calls. I've had sports industry professionals that, you know, already have those 10, 15 years tell me about how there's people that are reaching out to them because they saw them on a panel or they saw them on a call. So, I mean, I already feel like I completed my goal, but uh, yeah, I just, I just want people to meet and connect. And I think if I'm able to facilitate that in some sort of way, like that's, that's easy enough for me. Like, I think, um, people in sports always talk about how it's who you know and I see I hold it to be true like I know that it is but how can I help people meet each other and like you know like how yeah. can I help this one Latinx professional meet three other Latinx sports professionals that already have those 15-10 years on them you know and things like mm -hmm. that so how can we all just help each other out in a way where that we can all yeah make it in the sports industry yeah I think that's so respectable especially because I feel like going into the industry as a minority, being anyone that's not a straight white male is a minority in the sports world. It's so easy to kind of get caught up in like, I don't want to share my networks. I don't want to share this because you feel like there, or you're made to feel like there's a limited number of jobs for you. So why would you want to help other people? So to see that there is people that are part of this next generation of the sports industry, being willing to kind of open those doors for people, I think is incredible. Um, yeah. Especially like, I'm a white woman, so I'm one minority, but you would essentially, you're kind of, this sounds so bad, but like double minority, like, does that make, do you ever think yeah, about no, that? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, like layers of minority. Ex exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, that sounded so wrong coming out of my mouth, but I'm glad you understood what I meant. Because if not, that would have been real awkward. Anyways, so where have you seen the culture towards women in sports change the most since you've entered, entered the industry? Um, I think I've seen it change the most in football, like the amount of women that are now involved in football and like football coaching staff is absolutely incredible. Like the fact that we have a female coach, the first full time female coach at the Washington football team. And then we have like somebody else going like the Buccaneers or I think two more. Women so the yeah, the in the Bowl. Super Bowl, there's going to be seven women on the yeah. field. Um, yeah, yeah. there's one ref, Sarah Thomas is yes, uh, an official yeah. and then there's coaches on both sidelines. And then yeah, Jennifer King out of Washington became the first yeah. full-time female of color to make a coaching staff. Thank you. Female of color. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just, I think for me, it was football. Like the fact that there's just all these women that are just like, I don't want to say popping out, but like, are just like, you know, getting all these, all the 
recognition that they deserve and the jobs that they've been deserving of for quite a few years, um, I think is incredible. So I definitely would say like a lot of the culture has changed there because even when I was going to college football games, like I should have wanted like a woman to be on the sidelines, but I also just never thought there was going to be a woman on the sidelines. So the fact that like now they are in the NFL and they're starting to, um, get more involved in like college football and things like that like I appreciate that the men that are already in that space are opening the doors for them and hopefully those women that make it now will continue opening doors for future women um that come after them so I think that's where a lot of the culture has changed in my eyes for sure yeah for sure I think that's also really interesting to kind of contrast the NFL with college football um I mean we don't get as much coverage of that in Canada as you would in the states but I still feel like the NFL is more advanced in terms of being open to women than college football. And I wonder kind of like where that institutional situation is at. Um, yeah. But again, that's why are we just like coming up with ideas for research papers on this podcast? This is problematic. I already did two theses, thesi, however you want to say it. So thesis. Like somebody else. Thesis <laughs> um, somebody I'll else. deal with it in three years. Um, when I have to do one no. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll check back in um, where do you think that speaking of like where culture is advanced where do you think it's kind of stayed the same or plateaued or even kind of gotten worse I hope I'm wrong but I think it's in workplace culture overall mm-hmm. the amount of stories that just keep coming out it's just it's it shouldn't be happening right like we all know it shouldn't be happening but the fact that it is is just like really yeah, and it was, it's so weird because I feel like we have these periods of time where like three th- three stories drop and like, you know, oh my gosh, like this all happened and this is so terrible. And then we have like six months where like no one really, you know, nothing comes out, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like three more things all over, like, you know, again. And yeah. it sucks that, you know, it, they're even coming out at all. And it's not that I would want them to come out consistently, but it's like, at what point are we not going to have another story come out where there was like, abuse or harassment or something in the workplace for women in yeah sport. yeah so I I mean I've always paid attention to the stories that have come out for women in sports and obviously like wanting to be a woman in sports I've been very well made very well aware of them um yeah. by people that are like are you sure and I'm like yes I'm I'll be yes like I can't even tell you I'll be fine but like I hope I'll be fine but like yeah, yeah. like yes it's, it's fine um so yeah, I think it's definitely plateaued there. I hope it hasn't gotten worse. I hope I'm wrong. And you know, like in by the end of the year, like we won't have any more stories come out, but the fact that like we had them come out at the beginning of the year and then the beginning of last year and then the end of last year and here we are at the beginning of this year and it's like happening again. It's like, at what point will this no longer be like something we kind of wait for the other shoe to drop and when will this just not be happening anymore? Um, or even like, when will this just start being handled sooner rather than later too? Like, I hate to put it that way, but the fact that there's these coaches that it's like, well, he's been doing this for three years or he did this at two different teams. It's like, why wasn't this handled the first time after the first defense? Wasn't, wasn't he just fired? Like the Mets, you know, fired their GM without even investigation or anything like that, which was, I mean, I unfortunately commend them for it, but like, what like what who what how did he get a far this far along for yeah. so many years without you know then getting fired like maybe yeah. they didn't come forward internally I don't know that but if they did then why wasn't this handled much sooner than later before he could you know harass or anything to other women in the sports industry yeah I think that the situation with the Mets was on the one hand very commendable the fact that they didn't bat an eye they're like okay yeah you're gone 
but it's like how did he get in in the first place and I think those are the institutions that we have to question and that's when it goes back to like I feel like sports so often you're just recycling the same cast of like 20 white men um and it's just we can't expect things to get better if you're not going to actively like put in the effort to change um but as a woman in baseball specifically or as a woman who whose first love was baseball how did that situation kind of resonate with you I mean it was really sad to see just wanting to be a woman in the sports industry in general but I think you see baseball as such a classic sport I guess I want to put it that way and such an open sport to all accepting of everyone but it was like why is this happening in baseball I and I don't know if that really like makes sense maybe it's just like my glossy view of like what baseball is and maybe somebody else can you know has a different opinion on it but I think baseball is like one of the less contact sports right not to say that really reflects in the front office but like as a sport that's like seen as like a casual sport that everyone is calls boring it's like well then what is happening you know like and I I I hope somehow that makes sense yeah um but yeah like for me it was like shocking because it's like what like what are we doing like literally like what what are we doing clearly we're not (laughs) doing enough um and I know that MLB slowly but surely is also getting more women involved in coaching and like you said Kim with the Marlins and things like that so I'm hoping they will continue accepting more women in leadership positions and in positions that they should be in and are deserving of yeah Uh, it was kind of upsetting to see a sport that I'm so fond of like just I guess again commendable that they handled it so swiftly but also letting him get in and get out and do whatever like like you said recycling kind of it like why wasn't somebody else hired like why if this was already complained about like if someone knew this was happening why wasn't it already handled you know why did someone have to publish a story at the athletic or ESPN for someone to actually start paying attention to it like we shouldn't have to scream from the rooftops for someone to believe us I guess thank you Um, yeah I guess the, I guess that's that's the gist of it. We shouldn't have to be screaming about something for people to believe us. I think that right there is just what it boils down to is the lengths that people are having to go to to get attention paid to these issues that should just be seen as wrong, regardless of kind of the public outcry. Because um, I think that happens a lot in sports where something is only done when you can see that people are angry. Like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to like the Tony D'Angelo situation um, with the New York Rangers, but it's like that man's been problematic for years. Um, And it's only now that kind of everyone is saying something about it that he's seeing repercussions for his actions. Yeah. A lot of people talk about like the power of social media um, and how the more people that speak out about something, like the more it'll be recognized. And it kind of sucks that we have to do that and it's great that that's something we have the power to do but it's like why do people have to come yelling at you um for you to like do something about it you know like that Seahawks player too (gasps) I don't even remember what his name is um but the fact that like it the story dropped two days after he was released from police custody and then the Seahawks put out a statement like a day or two after that and it's like where have you been literally where have you been and yeah. I think I don't even think the NFL like I don't I don't think the NFL commissioner even said anything I don't I think, think so just the Seahawks yeah um 
and even in that statement, I saw so many tweets that it's like, something isn't sitting with me, like the way that they wrote this. Cause it was like, we hope that he gets the help he needs. And it's like, do you know what he did? Like, do you, do you like, maybe he needs help, but also like, I don't think that's something you put in a statement about. Yeah. It's like you you can think that, but there's no need to kind of say that out. It's like that's yeah, an indoor exactly. voice like, thought. Yeah, like you can say like, hey, dude, you should like maybe go to therapy to like talk about like, you know, your issues, but like you don't have to put it in a statement. I don't know. Yeah. And like, like, hey, Chris Communications, you're just trying to like, you know, say something sooner rather than later. So like, but also this show says something better. I'm not excusing what they said. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just really, it comes back down to like, why do people have to like start, like, why do we have to keep screaming for people yeah, to listen? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think that situation becomes especially hard to digest when you consider the fact that um, when players of color have issues like that happen in their lives, we get it as it happens. Like it's, yeah. the, it's all over all the reports. You can't watch a highlight pack of a guy without some announcer being like, oh, remember that time he was cut for domestic violence? And it's like, yes, that shows an inherent problem that we're giving like proven abusers second chances, but that's a different podcast. But it's the yeah. fact that you consider this was a white guy and it took like four days for anyone to hear about the fact that he essentially committed attempted murder. And I yeah, think that exactly. isn't talked about and, enough. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, hopefully as our generation and more women and more people of color just like start going into these positions, I really hope we start changing the culture. Because I think like something that I hear a lot of like my like even like my mom or like you know people that are friends with her it's like kind of like hey like we hope with our generation like we make something stop like you know like for them yeah. like, it's like you know like the stigma around mental health like we hope that once they are in those leadership positions and they might be already but like the stigma of mental health stops so maybe with yeah. us this whole how we handle PR things and you know this like harassment and abuse and all these yeah. things like maybe it'll change and I hope that it does um granted it shouldn't wait for our generation for yeah i was change. gonna say if it has to wait until our generation gets in positions yeah, of power that's weird we yeah, want to be good um yeah. but you know so maybe like the one above us um maybe <laughs> the one above me. but you know like just just seeing yeah. how hopefully as time goes on and more of us start in those leadership positions or those manager director positions anything like that we start seeing a cultural shift um and a change in the way we handle things like that I guess yeah. is kind of what I'm hoping for, obviously sooner rather than later, but hopefully we're going to take like the correct steps while we get there. And once we're there, like it'll, it'll be a little bit better than it's been so far. Yeah. I mean, getting better is like, so not saying much at this point, given that it's been like in the basement, it's like, let's just get it to the ground floor in terms of how we handle things. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so speaking of next steps, what do you think the next critical step is in terms of equity advancement in the sports industry? I'm hitting you with like all the big questions today. I apologize. Really but... are. <laughs> equity advancement in the sports industry. Um, I think the next steps for equity in the sports industry is that once someone steps down from a position or like goes outside the sports industry or like retires, whatever it is, like I hope people start putting putting more attention to women in the sports industry um I don't think it should have taken Kim so long to be eligible to be the GM of any baseball team um obviously like I'm happy that she's there and I can't wait to see what she does with the Marlins but I think we need to really start being 
conscious of who we give these leadership positions to once they become available. And obviously with COVID, as more sports leagues have expansion teams and more sports, you know, start coming up and maybe more colleges start start adding different sports, maybe there'll be more opportunities for women in the sports industry. But I think those larger ones where, you know, the higher you go on the pyramid of a sports team, the less women you see and the less people of color that you see. So while it shouldn't be because we, someone retired, I think we need to be conscious of like, okay, like that person is gone now. How can we make this leadership like more diverse? Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't be about checking a box. It's not yeah. what it is at all. But if someone like him, you know, if there's another Kim out there and she's really good at what she does and she has all these years of experience, like why not give her a chance? Honestly, why not make a director position for her? Like, who knows? Yeah. You know, like you don't have to wait for someone to retire to step away from their position, but it's kind of like, you know, we need to be conscious of it because yes, like, you know, the sports industry is great right now. And like, we love to be there and everything else like that. But like, we need to be conscious about how diverse we're trying to make it and how we can make it better instead of just doing the same thing over and over again. Because I think a lot of times I heard a quote a lot of times that it's like, if you keep doing the same thing, you're never going to get better and you're never going to grow. Yeah. And I think that holds true to the sports industry. If we keep hiring the same people, like you said, recycling them, you know, in a way, like we're never going to get better and we're never going to attract more like fan base, which means we're never going to get more money towards teams or leagues or things like that. And it's like, it just trickles down, Yeah, you know, like the fact that all these women are now Miami Marlins fans, I can guarantee you that there will be more Miami Marlins jerseys probably bought than like if not, if not the whole entire MLB teams, like at least maybe ranked like third or fourth. Like I know yeah. I'm buying one and it's because yeah. Kim is the GM. Oh, 100%. The only reason. Yeah. The only reason. And that's okay. Like if the Marlins were smart, they'd make a Kim jersey like in the next like month. Like if they were smart. Oh, I would we'll buy that, that in a heartbeat. Um, But you know, like things like that, like, you know, someone might laugh like, oh, you're just, you know, a fan because of GM. Okay. Well, yeah. What a, how many, whatever. How many yeah. guys yeah. cheer yeah. for football teams because their favorite player gets traded and they're like, oh, I'm a diehard now. Or because they're just good. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, I think, I think the more, the more that, te- the more teams that do it, the better. And I think people need to stop being scared about hiring women and just be proud to hire women. Like, again, it shouldn't be about checking a box, but if you see the incredible PR that Miami got, because they hired Kim, like what team wouldn't want that? Yeah. And again, it shouldn't be performative and it shouldn't be about checking a box and it shouldn't be because you want the good PR, but it's like, if you know only good things can come of this, why aren't you doing it? Exactly. So I think that's really what it comes down to about the equity. Like you you see the positive reaction that we're getting from people and from people in the sports industry and from women's sports industry. And like, I mean, again, I'm literally Miami Marlins fan for the sake that Kim is a GM. And I think that is incredible. um like that's it that's all it is and you know what if you want to come at me sure come at me but like that's what it is I mean if Becky Hammond gets hired as the first like Spurs you know full-time coach you better buy a Spurs jersey have ever watched Spurs game no but for the sake of supporting Becky I will buy one you know like it's not rocket science like women support women and the more women that are in leadership positions the better and I think like teams really need to start recognizing that we are a force to be reckoned with and we're also an incredible force that loves to support one another. So like, why not tap into that? Exactly. And like stop making the frilly pink gemstone jerseys and start hiring some people. And then maybe, you know, you'll sell some more jerseys that aren't pink. Oh my God. Can I just That's- say that society has progressed past the need for women's cut jerseys 
get rid of those. They look stupid. The numbers are too small. Um, yeah. And take the glitter off of them is another petition. I really don't like women's cut jerseys. They're really they're not. So they, they, yeah, no, they just look wrong. It's just not okay. Yeah, just um, okay. Everyone hire us to run your marketing department, please. And thank Honestly. you. <laughs> We'd be great. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people that would buy a shirt because we're in some marketing department. Let's be real here. Okay. Yeah. yeah you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> pure facts. <laughs> um, so to kind of close off, what do you think, or what do you hope that your legacy is going to be for the communities that you're a part of? So both women in sports and <laughs> Latinx. The loaded question. No, actually my legacy, I just wanted to be that I did good. That's it. Yeah. Like I, I don't need the recognition. Like I don't need that, but the amount of people that have been able to DM me and tell me how much this means to them that I made the Latinx and sports account or how they've been wanting to do it for two, three years, but they never really had the time and they're so happy for me that I did it. And oh my gosh, how can I help you? Like, I, I don't need an award. I don't need the recognition. Like, I just need people to know that there's someone out there like looking looking out for them. Yeah. You know, and that there's like a community for them to come to and to talk about the struggles of the sports industry and like, hey, how can I apply to this? And hey, do you know someone here and et cetera? Like, that's what I want my legacy to be like. I have always prided myself, I guess, in like being a really supportive friend and being like always being there for my friends and for my family and everything else. And like, if I can transfer that into a professional setting and in a professional manner, like I already did good. Um, so yeah, I just really want the community to grow and I want it for more people to find out about it and be able to use it as a resource and really just to like come to our networking calls or come to our panels and, you know, just be like, Hey, like, this was so cool. I learned like these three different things. I'm like, now I'm going to apply it to like my career. Hey, like I didn't even know there was, you know, this, this, this certain position or this certain route in the sports industry. And now that I learned about it, like it's definitely something I want to pursue. Like that's all it really comes down to for me. Like if I can give people awareness and if I can give these incredible Latinx sports professionals a platform to just, you know, for half an hour, talk about their story and like what they do in their day-to-day job and how they got there. Like that's good enough for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to know that I did good and that I like helped make a difference, which is like, so, so like, wow. So, so cheesy really. But I mean, it really is like, um, yeah, like I, of course today is national girls and women's sports day. And I got like, you know, like I'm, I'm not tagged in the tweet and the tweet threads and it's never been like, I want it to be, but I got like, I got one DM and it was from someone that works at MLB. And he was like, you know, like you are shattering the glass ceiling you're breaking barriers like I will always be in your corner blah 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 I could do not I was like crying at like nine in the morning because like I'm gonna cry for you that gave me chills yeah, like it's just like I I don't need it to be a tweet about oh my gosh look at what Alana's doing but it's like if people are recognizing it and just telling me like how great it is like that's it like that, that's like I already know I did something and I mean this guy has like five years more of sports experience than I do like he already has a full-time job and I'm over here trying to find a full-time job so like even to know that for someone that's older than me and has more experience than me this means something to them like that's incredible yeah wow I think that's a beautiful way to end it um I know that the entire Unbench team will be in your corner regardless of where you end up um and I think you've done a whole lot of good um already so I'm just excited to see where you continue to grow So that brings us to the end of another episode of the Unbenched podcast. I hope you had fun hanging out with Elena and I and that she was able to open your eyes to a side of the sports world that we don't often see. Until next time, don't forget to speak sports like a girl.